0: Hello and welcome to the Christ Church Waco Catechesis Podcast. I'm Father Lee Nelson, the Rector of the Congregation. It's good to have you with us this day as we continue looking at To Be a Christian in Anglican Catechism. Uh, If you need a copy of this, you can get it from anglicanchurch.net. You can also order copies through Crossway or Amazon or whatever you need. We have copies here at the church as well. Uh, They're available for about $20 and, uh, and it's a good resource to have. But first, let us pray. Direct us, O Lord, in all our doings with your most gracious favor. And further us with your continual help, that in all our works begun, continued, and ended in you, we may glorify your holy name, and finally, through your mercy, obtain everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen." Okay, we're going to begin with question 290 on page 98. What is the fourth commandment? The fourth commandment is, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Question 291, we'll just jump right in. What does it mean to keep the Sabbath day holy? Sabbath is from the Hebrew Shabbat, which means rest. Holy means set apart for God's purposes. God commanded Israel to set apart each seventh day following six days of work for rest and worship. In the Old Testament narrative, the 10 commandments are given as the people have en- have left Egypt and have entered into Sinai. And the difference with the Ten Commandments, as we've said before, is that these are spoken audibly uh, in the hearing of all the people. In fact, at the end of the Ten Commandments, they say, you know, to Moses, please don't let God speak to us anymore, or we'll die. So the Ten Commandments have a pride of place, not only in the Jewish tradition, but in the Christian tradition as well. And they've always, in, in Christian understanding, been a part of the or a pillar of catechesis that instruction of new Christians when we talk about the Sabbath and observing the Sabbath and keeping it holy or remembering it um, we have to keep a few things in mind the first is that Shabbat simply means rest it doesn't mean uh, seventh day it means rest and uh, it is a day of Of rest for God's people. They are to rest from their labors, they are uh, to worship, and uh, they are to um, uh, keep from doing any kind of menial labor. In addition, uh, that day is to be kept holy. It is to be set apart from the rest of the week. It is to be set apart for God's purposes. This is all tied in the law to the very opening chapters of the book of Genesis, where God has uh, created all that is, and on the seventh day, what does he do? He rests. Um, Now, does this mean that God sort of uh, goes and lies around in a hammock or something? Well, no. Uh, It means that God has entered into a rest from the work of creating and has entered into a time of uh, of stewarding creation and stewarding God's people and and caring for them. Part of caring for them is giving them rest, giving them rest from labor. And the people here have been taken out of slavery in Egypt where they work on, uh, without end, without rest, at constant toil. and uh, here in the in the desert, they are being given a law which will set them apart as a nation. part of that, uh, national law is to rest from labor every seventh day and so uh, I've been to the Holy Land on several occasions and on Friday night everyone says Shabbat Shalom and uh, and the whole uh, the whole way that society works changes uh, the stores aren't open the shops aren't open nothing happens you can't fly home you can't do anything because um, because all of uh, society is shut down for rest and for worship. So question 292, why was Israel called to rest on the Sabbath? Israel was called to rest in remembrance that God had freed them from slavery and that God rested from his work of creation, bringing joyful balance and rhythm to life, work, and worship. On the Sabbath day, the people are to remember that they were once enslaved and that now they are no longer enslaved. But they are also to remember that it is God who has created all things. Much of the law for a Jew creates a literal connection between what happens in the temple and what happens in creation. Uh, The the law establishes a connection, a deep connection, between the life of the home and the life of the temple. We say this often at Christ Church, but uh, part of our vision is that every home of every family, every individual at Christ Church would be an extension of the church, an extension of this holy place to your holy place, your home. And so part of that is to observe, and we teach this, part of this is to observe a day of rest. And we'll get to when that ought to be or when that could be uh, in a bit and towards the end. Uh, but it is to be a day in freedom, a day freed up uh, to, to rest, to worship, to live, to enjoy life. We see this teaching actually take uh, a a bit of a center stage in Scripture. Um, Jesus, uh, on several occasions, uh, draws attention to Sabbath observance and also uh, rebukes the Pharisees for their uh, belief that this law must be kept without any kind of lessening. Uh, The Pharisees uh, would actually derail, would actually uh, deride Jesus for healing on the Sabbath as some kind of work. But I want to turn to a few places, and these are outlined uh, at the end of this next question. So let's ask this next question, then we'll look at the scripture that's at the end of it. How did Jesus teach us to keep the Sabbath? As Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus taught us to keep it not merely as a duty, but as a gift of God to be received with joy and extended to others through acts of love and hospitality. So let's look this up. Mark chapter 2 verse 23 through uh, chapter uh, uh, 3 verse 6. And, uh, and we'll get a look at this. We read that one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the green fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, "Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath?" And he said to them, "Have you ever heard what David did when he was in need and was hungry?" he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God when Abiathar was high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. So in response to this, you know, Jesus' disciples are going along and they're plucking plucking heads of grain and sort of gnashing, they're, you know, eating them in their teeth and, and uh, kind of chewing on them. Uh, you know, we see this in... in um, Old-timey videos, you know, the farmer has the grain of wheat in his in his teeth, and uh, this is something that people do to this day. You know, if you uh, if you ever go uh, anywhere in the, in the in an agricultural world, you'll see people kind of chewing on things during the day. Maybe it's a thing of sugarcane or something like that, and they're chewing on it. And that's very similar to what's going on here. They're just sort of you know uh, joyfully chewing away at these heads of grain. They're not doing it uh, to to derive any nutritional benefit from it, but they're they're walking along, and they're just kind of enjoying this day, this nice day among the grain fields. And the Pharisees are incensed, and why are they incensed? Well, they, they believe that legal observance is essential to what it means to be a Jew. You have to observe the law without fault, and you have to observe it from the day of your birth. And the Pharisees look forward to a day when legal observance in that way, in that very strict way, would be universal in Israel. Because on that day, they believed the Messiah would come back. Now, we are Christians, we believe that, that Messiah is Jesus, and Jesus claims to be that. He says um, at the end of this passage in chapter 2 the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. More about that later. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Jesus claims Lordship over Sabbath and Sabbath observance, He claims Lordship over rest. And indeed, uh, it is um, uh, a big thing in Christian theology to speak of salvation as entering into, this is very much in the New Testament, entering into the rest of the Lord, the rest of Jesus as he rests from his labors. Um, This uh, image here is an example of this rest from the labor of his life, this rest from the labor of the cross on the third day, uh, risen again, which is actually the first day of the week. More about that later. Um, Jesus calls reference to the Old Testament where David is walking uh, with, his, with, his, with his men and uh, he enters the house of God and, and uh, eats from the bread of the presence, this bread of uh, the presence of God that's held in the temple. And uh, they eat that. And he says, well, you know, so, so what about that, guys? And and, and, uh, and he's drawing attention to this because he wants the Pharisees and he wants the disciples to hear That uh, all of this has been given for the benefit of men, not the benefit of God. And he claims lordship over the Sabbath, meaning he can do what he wants in interpreting it. He has ability to interpret the law. Um, And so uh, there's another added layer to this eating the bread of the presence. It is to say that on the Sabbath day, um, it is a fine thing also to eat the bread of the presence. Well, this is why we join on a a Sabbath day, more about that later again, uh, and we eat of the bread of the presence of Christ uh, in the Eucharist. In this next section in chapter 3, the first three verses of chapter 3, he enters the synagogue and a man was there who had a withered hand. And of course, we you know the rest of the story. He heals the man's hand, and he says, "Stretch it out." Uh, but he does this uh, to show that he has authority over the Sabbath as well. He says, "Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good, or to do good, or to do harm, to save life, or to kill?" And the Pharisees are silent at this. But he he asks this man to stretch forth his hand, and this man's hand is healed. And it's after this that the Pharisees take counsel with the Herodians about how to kill Jesus. They uh, believe that this is a a horrible transgression against the law to even heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus is drawing our attention to this uh, to show us that the Sabbath and the gift of this day set apart for rest and refreshment and worship is for our benefit. So let's say a little bit more about this. Question 294. How does the Sabbath serve as a promise for the future of God's people? When the church is perfected in Christ, all believers will dwell in God's new creation, free from sin and its curse, and enter and eternally united to God in love, adoration, and joy. This will be our unending Sabbath rest. the uh, The last day, the seventh day, is a day uh, that prefigures a kind of eschatological seventh day, which. Uh, as we know as Christians is the first day um so the seventh day is the first day this is why there's that wonderful bridge between uh, the seventh day um, and the eighth or first day and we have this uh, we show this most clearly actually in uh, in the liturgies of the Triduum uh, on Holy Saturday what do we do on holy Saturday we remember that Jesus is laid in the tomb and he rests and at the evening of that day we enter into the Easter vigil and we This wonderful, renewed, and eternal Sabbath. And so, when the church is perfected, drawn to her perfection, we spoke about this in the last section, uh, in the last section of the Catechism, that uh, God has an end for human beings, and that is to rest eternally in the vision of God. And that is, that is to say that when the church is perfected in Christ, all believers will dwell in God's new creation, free from sin and its curse, and eternally united to God in love, adoration, and joy. So the Sabbath functions, not only in Judaism, but also in, Ang- in, in, uh, in Christianity, as an eschatological day on which we look forward to this eternal Sabbath rest, which is prepared for God's people. So I would actually say this, something like this, that if you observe the Sabbath and when you observe the Sabbath, you're actually saying something about what human beings are created for, what it means to be perfected and redeemed. And so I want to encourage you in that to say, think about that. We, We point to a greater future, which is set apart for us. Question 295, how do you keep the Sabbath? I cease from all unnecessary work, rest physically, mentally, and spiritually, and join with my family and church in worship, fellowship, and works of love. To cease from all unnecessary work. Christians have kept the Sabbath not in the way that a Pharisee would, and not in the way that many Jews would today, but in a way that uh, that, uh, saves us from unnecessary work. that keeps us from having to toil away at various things, um, and this is why Christians have said, you know, if you're a nurse, you can work on Sunday, you can work on Saturday. Um, it's why if you are a firefighter, you can work then too. If you have a necessary labor, you can certainly do that. But uh, but also keeping in mind that you ought to have a day in which you rest, and uh, it's encouraged to keep the Sabbath by uh, keep a Sabbath, and I would say if you are unable to keep a Sabbath on Sunday or unable to keep a Sabbath on Saturday or unable to keep a day, um, uh, in particular, that you pick one day of the week to not uh, undergo any kind of work. Um, And this is a very uh, difficult discipline at times because it means that uh, you have to say, well, you know, it's that day of the week and my lawn really needs to be mowed but I'm gonna leave it aside. Um, All these things have to be done but I'm gonna leave them aside and rest. And the idea is to rest physically, mentally, and spiritually. Um, all of those matter to give your mind a rest from toil. I, you know, I take a Sabbath day on on Saturdays, and uh, and this is a day to just be with the family and, and rest, and not do anything that can be done later. and uh, And I also try to not read anything that's that's too in depth. I'll uh, I'll watch some TV. I'll. Uh, I'll read some very lighthearted books. Uh, That's a mental rest and also a kind of spiritual rest um, to take time to pray, to take time to uh, seek the Lord. Um, And furthermore, uh, we say that that keeping the Sabbath means joining with your family and church in worship, fellowship, and works of love. Um, So coming together as the church has always been understood to be a part of how the church observes this understanding of Sabbath. More about that in a bit. What does this commandment teach you about work? My work is a gift of God that can grant me provision and satisfaction and serve the common good, but it neither defines my life nor rules over it. I am thereby freed from resentment and sloth to work diligently and with joy for God's glory. Um, many people today think about uh, work as at the core of their identity. They think that uh, work defines them. You know, it's very common if you're in a social situation remember what that was like Uh, but to be in a social situation and and you're asked well, what do you do you know what do you do for a living and uh, and this is a very important thing and and, uh, many people uh, will feel very proud you know I'm a doctor I'm a lawyer I'm a rocket scientist Um, and others might say well I'm just this or I just do that Uh, but but God doesn't want us to think about our work um, in a sense that defines our lives or rules over it Um, Our work instead is set up to grant me provision so that I can go out and and, uh, buy groceries. I can uh, pay rent or pay a mortgage. Um, I can live with the satisfaction of a job well done and at the same time serve the common good. But in all of that, to not say that, that this defines my life, because what defines the Christian life is to live life for the glory of God, to live life in expectation of this day when all labor will cease and we'll have rest in the kingdom. So the Sabbath functions, and this is where I'd really get down to business, to free us from the kind of resentment which happens when we work constantly. But it also frees us from the opposite end of that spectrum, which is to just sort of say, well, none of my work really matters that much anyway, and so I'm just gonna be lazy. But it teaches us to work diligently on six days of the week, um, and with joy, and to enjoy that rest. To not work for the weekend, but uh, to work um, in a way that we can understand how it functions within God's providence. And that is always a great joy to see that God has given us the skills that we need and the gifts that we need in order to do this work um, and also at the same time has given us the rest that we need in order to do that work well. But let's say a bit about why Christians worship on the first day of the week rather than on the seventh. Question 297. Why does the church worship on the first day of the week rather than the seventh? The earliest Christians came to observe Sunday as the Lord's Day. For their primary day of worship, in remembrance of Jesus' resurrection on the first day of the week, in the ancient church, Christians um, would often, especially Jewish Christians, would observe the Sabbath, and then on Sunday morning would get up very early before the sun even rose, almost as if they were going to behold the risen Christ, which they were in the Eucharist, and they would worship, um, uh, and then they would go off to work, and they would begin the day, they begin the work week. In way. In in Roman times, uh, Sunday was a work day. And so they come together on this Sunday morning, they worship, and then they go out and they start their labors. Um, And this is to say that they saw almost the the seventh day as a kind of continuation of that Sabbath day on the the last day of the week. As time developed further and further and further, we actually, uh, in the Christian tradition, kept both Saturday and Sunday as days of Sabbath. Um, and only lately in, in, in our history, especially in the West, have begun to uh, work on Saturdays, do manual labor on Saturdays, and then rest on Sundays. And there have been uh, Sabbatarian traditions within Christianity that have said, you can work you know, Monday through Saturday, but on Sunday, all is rest, and Worship and uh, time in the church, etc. Um, I, th- I think I would give a bit more of a nuanced view of that, and part of that has to do with just the realities of modern life, which is that um, you know s- uh, Sundays, yes, are for most people a day off and a very good day uh, to take off. Uh, but also, we have lots of things that go on constantly. We have a 24-hour uh, cycle of life, and uh, places are open constantly, and uh, and things like that. Uh, so many people do have to work on Sundays, uh, and, uh, and there are ways around this. I, I say even to myself, I say, you know, Sunday for me uh, invariably winds up becoming a kind of work day. Uh, but at the same time, I can say, you know, uh, there is time for rest. Um, there is something to be said for limiting the amount of work you actually do so that you can have leisure, so that you can uh, be refreshed, so that you can not constantly be working yourself to the bone. Um, I would say something like this, that if you're a student, um, you ought to uh, take up study most days of the week and Saturday, but on Sunday, attend uh, the Eucharist, uh, have a nice leisurely lunch, have a nice festive dinner, uh, go out on a kayak, go for a walk, enjoy the day. You'll have more than enough time, ample time, to study during the week. And if you've done your studies well during the rest of the week, you shouldn't need to study on Sunday. So you can take that day off, and uh, many uh, students at Christ Church have taken this to heart and enjoyed the Sabbath day. In fact, we've had people who have come to church and have joined our church because they saw students Keeping the Sabbath. Amazingly countercultural thing to do, but they do it, and that's how it works, and uh, it's a wonderful joy. Uh, In our household, we make a big deal out of Sunday naps. I come home from church on a Sunday, and I climb into bed and conk out, or try to anyway, Uh, but it's an important thing, and it it brings a sense of uh, of joy to our family to be able to do this. And then we have a nice uh, festive dinner and we enjoy time together, and, uh, and the day closes down as it does every day uh, in prayer. Um, but I want to encourage you, you know, even if you have to be more flexible about this, even if you have to uh, find some ways around this, you know, this is why one of the reasons we offer a Wednesday Eucharist at Christ Church is so that people who work on Sundays, who are prevented from coming on Sunday, can come on the Wednesday. Um, several years ago, I was the rector of a congregation where uh, there was a, uh, an airline flight attendant. And she used to fly from San Francisco to Beijing and San Francisco to Hong Kong, and she would make these long trips, and she usually did them on Sundays, um, starting on Sunday night. And she would come to the Saturday evening Eucharist, uh, And she would drive straight to San Francisco from there, and she'd board her her flight, and she'd fly over, uh, and she would come back. And for her, she kept Saturday as a Sabbath day of rest. She would do all the packing for her trip on Friday, and then she would rest on Saturday, getting all ready for this overnight flight uh, to China. So it can be done. And you should think about how it would be done in your life. It should actually be a part of your rule of life, how you keep the Sabbath. Let's turn the page and go to question 298 and 299. deal with these. These are wonderful questions and answer pairings. Uh, Question 298. What does the Sabbath teach you about time? Through an ordered life of weekly worship and rest throughout the Christian year and by a regular pattern of daily prayer, I learned that time belongs to God and is ordered by him. Um, At a certain point in uh, in the Protestant tradition, there became this idea that uh, we ought to do away with this superstitious Christian year. And uh, it's a time now where many Christians are discovering the joy of the church year. They're discovering the joy of a liturgical calendar. But there was a time, especially in places like Texas, where Baptists didn't keep the church year. They didn't even celebrate Christmas. Um, They kept the Lord's Day Sunday, and that was it. As Anglicans, we keep the church year to remind us uh, that time belongs to God, not just daily time, not just weekly time, but yearly time, and that we live in God's world, not our own. And this regular pattern and these patterns of liturgical practice and prayer remind us that God is ordering creation not towards endless work, but towards a rest for his people. And so this is a wonderful thing to enter into. Um, it means that, uh, and as one who has followed the, the Christian year through my whole life, um, and now I, I'm the father of the family, and so uh, we we keep these feasts and we keep these, uh, these wonderful festival days in the church calendar in our home, and it lends this wonderful quality to our household. Um, you know, I grew up in a household where, where Christmas was kind of really one day. And now in our household, Christmas is 12 wonderful, joyous days. And we just enjoy so much time together. And we, we, uh, we live in this uh, state of uh, constantly uh, nibbling away at things and, and uh, just enjoying the time together. And it's just been a wonderful blessing to our family. because it, and, and I want you to keep this in mind. This, this, not just the Sabbath, but the whole liturgical calendar reminds you that you were not made to work constantly, but made to rest in God. We, as Augustine says, you know, our hearts are restless until they rest in you, O Lord. So let's move on to question 299. How does keeping the Sabbath help you to grow in Christ? As I keep a weekly day of rest and worship, my faith in God and my creator is strengthened. My hope in God, my provider, is renewed, and my love for God, my redeemer, is deepened. I love these pairings at the end of this. uh, This weekly day of rest and worship, drawing attention directly to the Sabbath, means that my faith in God, my creator, is strengthened. Habits have a wonderfully formative quality, don't they? Um, keeping a keeping a habit can can be can be everything in your life. Um, you know, husbands and wives ought to keep the habit of saying goodbye to each other with a kiss and saying, I love you, I'll see you in three or four hours, or I'll see you at the end of the day. Um, these are rituals that we observe in family life. There are also rituals that we observe in uh, in normal, I should say normal, uh, uh, social life, right? We shake hands. And a cynic might say, well, these have outgrown their their usefulness in our society. You know, I'm not, I'm not shaking your hand to show that I'm unarmed, I'm just sort of going through emotion, and we should just get rid of it, namely, Handshakes, by the way, are dangerous right now, and uh, and uh, and and its uh, viral transmission can happen. You know, I, I see that in times like this. But but my point is to say that we observe these rituals because they they strengthen us as human beings. They they allow us to um, operate uh, with trust in one another. They allow us to be a whole as human beings. Um, in the same way, this this habit of keeping a Sabbath rest. Ink, enhances our faith, it strengthens our faith in God as the creator of all things. It draws us to remembrance that we live in God's creation and not just sort of simply this uh, this place that we just happen to be in by, you know, some unbelievable amount of chance. My hope in God, you, know, you should know what we're getting to, right? This is a riff on uh, the uh, theological virtues is contained in 1 Corinthians. So my faith, this theological virtue, by the way, we said it before last week, uh, theological virtues have God as their end, and so my faith is increased. My hope in God, my provider, is renewed. Christian hope is this wonderful thing that keeps us from being tossed about by uh, the winds of change, tossed around by uh, putting our hope in anything else. And so to have this rest, this day of rest, means that our hope will be renewed. Um, to, to turn to God on the first day of the week means that we, we trust God with our lives. Um, and we don't trust in our ability to make money uh, to keep us stable, but we trust in God. And finally, the most important of the theological virtues, that of love or charity, uh, my love for God, my Redeemer, is deep. Sabbath observance plays a major role in the formation of Christian loves. Um, You know, we have that wonderful book today uh, by Jamie Smith, uh, You Are What You Love. And Christian liturgy shows us uh, what we love and how to love it. Uh, And so to devote the very first hours of a week to Christian worship, and not only that, but to enter into the joy of being fed by Christ in the Eucharist, means that our love for our Redeemer is deepened. Um, Without this continual observance of Sabbath every week, we tend to grow lax in our love. Um, Not to uh, shock you or scandalize you, but uh, 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 marriage counselors, good marriage counselors, um, tend to inquire into the intimacy that exists between husband and wife. And they do it without blushing. They do it because they know it's important to ask this question, you know, are you intimate with each other? And if the answer is no, then there's something there that needs to be fixed, right? I mean, uh, We have this, we have this uh, phenomenon today, which I don't know if it's a phenomenon, but it seems to be that, uh, that uh, married people are actually having less sex now than they ever have in, in history, and this is something to be inquired after. Why is this the case? Why, how does this happen? Uh, it, it's a disaster relationally. Um, it means that the, the love between husband and wife, this wonderful covenant love, is not being renewed in this one flesh exchange which they are to have. Um, it means that they are living much more as roommates and not as uh, those who share one flesh, one body. And, uh, you know, if I was to Sit down with a couple and ask them this question, this rather intimate question, you know. And I'd say, well, how long has it been? They say four or five weeks. You know, I'd say, wow, you know, how is it that you can love one another without having this level of intimacy on a regular basis? And I would ask the same thing of a Christian: How is it that you are to love God without sharing in this intimate exchange which takes place at the altar? I mean, this is the reason that we light candles for the Eucharist. It is to be, in a very real way, the marital exchange between Christ and his bride, the church, that takes place at this altar. So for the Christian to enter into the eternal rest of the kingdom means that we will have this fellowship with God in Christ in the Eucharist. And, uh, and you know, to love it even so much that we wouldn't even just do it on Sundays, but, but throughout the week as well. Um, so I want to call your attention to this, that if you uh, have grown lax in Sabbath observance, um, I want to encourage you not just to look upon Sabbath observance as, well, we have to go to church on Sundays. No, it's much more than that. To truly rest on one day of the week. And It doesn't have to be Sundays. So I'd encourage you to make it Sunday if you can, but it doesn't have to be. And furthermore, uh, to not to not just worship, but to enjoy rest. Um, this will, I, I promise you, it will revitalize how you think about uh, your purpose and uh, as a human being and the reason that God has made you, um, which is namely to turn towards him, to enjoy uh, unending Sabbath rest in his kingdom. May Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. we yeah.